up to $26,000 per employee? They call it the 15-minute refund, but it's not a gimmick. It's for business owners who stuck it out during the pandemic. The Employee Retention Tax Credit, or ERTC. But time is running out to get started. Talk to the experts. JWC Advisors at iHeartTaxRefunds.com. Who are they? CPAs who will keep you on the right side of the IRS. So do it the right way. Go to iHeartTaxRefunds.com. That's iHeartTaxRefunds.com. Welcome to the Grit Daily Startup. I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk, and this is a podcast about what goes on behind the scenes at startups. The good, the bad, and the gritty. Let's dive in. Michael, welcome to the show. Yeah, Sebastian, great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. It's a busy, uh, busy, it's always busy in New Orleans, but especially now, you guys, we were chatting here before the interview. You guys got a lot going on. There's seems to always be a festival happening. You got the final four rolling into town uh, this weekend. So never a dull moment. Uh, no, on the- no. Jazz Fresh Fund. And, you know, people are just so excited to be kind of emerging from COVID and having the human experience again. And, you know, all the things that, that New Orleans is so good at culture, intimacy, celebration were kind of taken away from us by COVID. So to have it back, there's just this extraordinary pent up uh, emotional energy that's being released. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you just got to find time to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> not much that goes on in uh, in New Orleans. So uh, before we get into you know, the, the the world of startup and what your experience has been, and of course what you guys are doing uh, with Greater New Orleans, let's talk a little bit about your backstory and help our listeners understand a little bit more about you. Well, you know, I've had this kind of really weird peripatetic life where I never expected to to be here. Uh, my mother is from New Orleans, but she married a Yankee, so I grew up uh, in New York. Um, ended up uh, going to grad school out in uh, in California, where I and started I ran, built and ran restaurants for a while. Uh, when we left California after the dot com bust of two thousand one, uh, my wife, who's Danish, wanted to see the country, so we took a camping trip uh, fifteen thousand miles over nine weeks, thirty two states. And when we came through New Orleans, she said, "You know, we should move to New Orleans. It's the only place in America you actually know where you are." And I said, huh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, it looks different. It feels different. It, it frankly even smells different. <laughs> and, um, but I didn't know how to come down here. I ended up in, in New York uh, working for the Bloomberg administration after 9-11, running their small business uh, assistance program. And then, um, interestingly, um, I was actually at a Burning Man <laughs> when, when Katrina hit, which wow. was, uh, you know, being in the Reno airport after Burning Man's depressing enough, but seeing your beloved... <laughs> Ancestral homeland underwater was surreal and tragic, but it ended up being the work opportunity. I came out here, ran the States program for small business post-Katrina, and then I've been here at GNO Inc. trying to revitalize the economy of uh, New Orleans, of greater New Orleans, 10 parishes or counties now, um, you know, for almost 14 years. Wow. It's been 14 years. So you started doing, you started right, right post-Katrina. Yeah, I worked for the state two years. Post Katrina, and then came down to uh, to GNO Inc. Um, in two thousand and eight, um, and you know the, the 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 reality of it, Sebastian, is that the economy and demographics of New Orleans and the region had really been in decline since the eighties, because the problem was this place was a two trick pony. Um, it was oil and gas and hospitality, 
And, and oil and gas makes a few people rich, but not everybody. And it's really cyclical. And hospitality was a lot of jobs, but not a lot of wealth being created. So Katrina was in, in a strange and you know very tragic way, but it was it was a it was kind of like like a heart attack to a person that has an unhealthy lifestyle that doesn't kill them but scares the hell out of them. Yeah. And now gives them a chance to like start doing Zumba and you know, manscaping and wearing unitards and now now they're that guy. Right. Right. Well, I, mean, I can only imagine a lot's been, you know, lots, lots happened over the course of the past, you know, 14 years. I mean, there was a, a gigantic mess to clean up uh, after that natural disaster that, and unfortunately t- took place on there. Um, but uh, well, let's get into what, you know, what, what you've really been focused on with, uh, with greater new Orleans Inc. Uh, and the regional economic development. This is um, a new, uh, New new conversation uh, for me specifically, you know, figuring out how this whole thing works. I, that's the best part about my job is that I get to to learn more about what I don't know uh, that that I don't know. But where did this all start, and where did this all begin, and what was the you know the premise of it, and what when uh, this is kind of a loaded question, but you know the, the primary focus and goal of, of of what you guys are doing. Yeah, there there are really two parts to economic development, Sebastian. So one is uh, business development which is either attracting new companies in or trying to help existing companies and entrepreneurs grow. And that's, you know, obviously about trying to create jobs for everybody and wealth for, for the community. The other part is not business development, but what I call business environment. And that's about through things like tax laws and assets like the airport and quality of life, things like parks is creating an environment that's just naturally attractive to people and companies. And, and that is actually even more important post COVID because now with remote work, um, really people can, can live in, anywhere and work for whoever. So it's those cities that are going to provide the best environment for talent that are going to really um, thrive. And, you know, that's no longer necessarily New York or San Francisco. That could be Coeur d'Alene in, in Idaho. That could be a Caribbean Island with good broadband. So for you know secondary and tertiary markets like like New Orleans, it's actually a huge opportunity if we can create the right uh, environment to attract the best and brightest. Then we've got a fighting chance against those megapolises that used to be eating our lunch. Absolutely, and and how long has has have, have the uh, have you guys been around? So GNO Inc. It's it's interesting. It's actually an old organization. We go back to 1902. Wow. Uh, we used to be called the Progressive Union of Greater New Orleans. It's, um, you know, was a very patrician organization that, um, you know, uh, kind of uh, lived through many of the ups and downs of, of the region. But GNO Inc., Greater New Orleans Inc., as a brand, started in 2004, got off to a strong start. Katrina swamped that. And so I kind of came in for the restart, you know, the, the second chance when I joined in 2000, uh, when I joined in 2008. And so what would have, and that's, that's a perfect segue into starting kind of talking really, not that it was necessarily a startup, but four years in, it was still kind of startup ish when you arrived here, what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced when taking the position? And then of course, post Katrina, post, post natural disaster, I'm sure it wasn't, you know, there was a lot more added to your plate. Oh, bro. It was a total, it was, it was actually not a startup. It was a turnaround. Um, when I came into GNO Inc, uh, we were, um, financially and reputationally bankrupt. Um, and, and I didn't really know that coming in because the board of directors didn't actually know that who hired me, which is kind of the whole 
problem, but this is a funny story. So I start my first day and my CFO comes in and he says, Michael, I got some bad news. I think I'm like, lay it on me. Not my fault yet. And he says, well, I've, I've run the books and we're going to end the year $400,000 in the hole. And we were a small organization then like $2 million revenue. And I said, all right, well, that's not good. Well, do we have a line of credit to bridge us? He said, yeah, we got two lines of credit. I said, great. Well, you know, how much um, cash do you have available in those lines of credit? He said, none. They're both totally maxed out. So I said, okay, well, that's not good. We're, you know, we're, we're going to probably, um, you know, go bankrupt. So then he comes in the next day, says, Michael, you're sitting down. I got good news for you. I go, oh man. All right. Well, what's the good news? He said, well, yesterday I said, we were going to end the year $400,000 in the hole. I was wrong. It's only $350,000. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, man, now we got two problems. One, we're still bankrupt. And two, I can't trust your numbers. <laughs> and so, uh, but, but, you know, the other thing we did, this is interesting about our reputation. The problem that we had that we figured out pretty quickly, Sebastian, when I started was that um, people did not uh, uh, like our organization. They didn't trust us. They didn't know why the mission of GNO Inc. mattered to them. And the organizations and people who had given us money to get started in 2004 hadn't seen any return on their investment. And so we said, well, this is kind of a huge reputation problem. And we kind of took like, remember when Domino's just owned the fact that their pizza was lousy? Yeah. They're like, our pizza sucks. Like, let's right. just start there. So we kind of said the same thing. We said, let's own those problems. And we came up with this mantra, which was relationships, relevance, results. Relationships, relevance, results. And we said, we're going to build an organization based on trusted relationships, based on being relevant to people's companies and lives, and based on driving real results that wouldn't have happened if not but for us. And that remains our mantra to this day. That remains kind of our North Star constellation. Everything we do has to be based on a relationship based on trust of intent and competence. It has to be, help make a person's life or, or company better. And we have to be able to put real skins on the wall, not taking credit for other people's work. And it creates a lot of pressure on us. We have no regular funding source, so we have to kind of, you know, prove ourselves every day. But, it, but it's made us you know, it's made us a productive, um, organization. So how did you get out of the $355,000 allegedly, um, uh, hole? Well, the good news is that I'd been a restaurant entrepreneur and I had made it through the dot-com crash of 2001. So I had experience about kind of the stress of managing cash flow. So we got, you know, very, um, thoughtful about managing cash flow, which sometimes meant at the front that I wasn't taking my full salary. We went to the business community and we said, um, uh, we need you to take a, a chance on us and to prepay some of your membership dues to give us a little cash flow. And to the credit of the business community, they, they gave us that chance. And so through that combination of kind of creative cash flow management and the business community stepping up, because I guess they, they thought they saw something, we were able to bridge it through. And you know, to me, fundraising as an entrepreneur is like rock climbing. You know, you're looking up at this like 500 foot face and you're like, there's no way I can get up there. But you find that first little dime hold and then you find that next little one and you just keep looking for your, your next little handhold or foothold. And before you know it, you're like 250 feet up in the air. You have no choice but to keep climbing because, yeah. you know, there's only one direction. And eventually you get there and it takes longer than you thought it was going to be. And, and, and you're scraped and bruised, but, but you make it. 
and, and that's that's the nature of um and all my experience with fundraising that's what it takes it's just it's just a daily grind and you just got to hit it but you but you but you make it you do you don't you know you keep going that's that's you know for 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 starters there so we talked about some of the challenges and those are definitely some challenges so congrats on you guys being able to especially specifically you and you know, the time you're coming on board and post natural disaster the whole nine being able to turn this thing around and and do something great with it what's been the best part of joining the team in 2008 and the things that you guys have done. I mean, I know it's been quite some time now, but what oh, really sticks man. out to I you? Mean, look, I, I've got a real problem with this job. Um, the, the feedback, there's, there's two things. One is that the feedback is so continual and so genuine. When somebody comes up to you and they say, Michael, because of GNO Inc., my son was able to move back from Dallas and take a tech job here in, in, in New Orleans. Now I have my kid back. That's incredibly rewarding. So there's a real kind of, you know, that 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 button keeps getting pushed. And the sure. second thing is that because New Orleans um, is not Dallas, is not Charlotte, because it has a rich history and also has all of these challenges, the issues to work on are incredibly broad, incredibly diverse, and they keep coming at you. So if you've got kind of an ADD personality like I do, it's really satisfying intellectually to be going from issue to issue to issue. And so I think it's those, those two things that the satisfaction of helping individuals in a very personal way and their companies combined with the diversity uh, and of the issues. I mean, right now, literally, we are dealing with issues as, as, as picayune as trying to pass early childhood education uh, millages at the parish level to dealing with how the war in Ukraine is impacting our ports. Um, it's incredibly broad and that just makes it um super stimulating and, and you, you never get bored yeah you're doing something different every day there's something every, new to work on hour brother i mean i look at my phone and i don't know whether i'm going to be talking to a minister from europe or talking to a shop owner from magazine street um Amazing. or my wife and so you know <laughs> it, keeps, it keeps you on your toes that's for sure i think we know who the priority is on those phone calls yes sir <laughs> always it's yes so how's the how big's the team there so we got about, uh, we're about to break 25 people, um, which is kind of a, you know, an organizational kind of a threshold where, where, you know, it becomes harder to be personal. We'll be at 26 this year. We've got a budget now of about $6 million. Like I said, we're a nonprofit. We're a C6. We also have a C3 foundation that is part of us as well. Uh, we're about 65% funded by the private sector, about 250 uh, corporations that fund us from $5,000 to six figures, about 25% public funded, uh, local, state, and federal, and then some foundations come in as well. So we're, we're, we're public-private, but we're kind of private-dominated, but we still partner with it and are responsible to the public sector. And that, that you know, makes us kind of like a Switzerland. You know, we kind of sit in the middle of everybody. We don't have enough money or statutory power to actually threaten anybody. Um, but we sit in the middle. So that makes us very effective at being a convener and a catalyst. It makes us very ineffective at trying to bully people because we just don't have that that ability or that independence. That's not a bad thing, I guess, you know. Oh, no, look, it's, it's <laughs> I mean, it's incredibly useful in this day and age where everything is so partisan and so heated yep. to have an organization that's seen as um, objective, generally technocratic and non-threatening because we can, like, for example, we had a, a press conference yesterday with 
uh, 10 of our parish presidents to talk about national flood insurance. And these are Democratic parish presidents, Republican parish presidents who wouldn't necessarily get together. But on the issue of flood insurance, which is a pocketbook issue for all of our homeowners, a GNO can bring them together and we're going to go fight in, you know, in D.C. and actually have a, a national coalition that spans 35 states. We can do that as almost like a as, a as a tiny, powerless, but kind of in some way very soft, powerful nexus. It's a really weird thing, but it's kind of this Buddhist paradox of having power by being powerless. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Michael, I really enjoyed our conversation. I love what you guys are doing over at uh, GNO Inc. I'm, I'm even learning the verbiage here. Yeah, <laughs> great, you nailed it. I saw that you had that learning curve, brother. Yeah, That's ab- great. Ab- absolutely. Part of the uh, part of the job description here. But uh, more information, listen to this. I want to learn more about this. I've been thinking about moving to New Orleans or I got family there or there's some way that you can leverage this conversation uh, to and, and see what the greater uh, New Orleans um uh, incorporation organization. There's a lot going on here. Regional economic development on here. I'm learning a lot. I'm sure if you're listening, you've learned a lot too. You're going to be able to check out more information about them. The, the link to get more information on their website is going to be in the show notes, which is the description of this podcast episode. Well, Michael, I want to encourage you to keep uh, keep up the great work. It's clear that you guys are doing work uh, that matters. It looks like you guys are sticking your toes in several different ponds from private to public to, to really, you know, it's a conglomerate to make what your mission is, you know, move forward and happen. It's not, you can't just stay in one specific pond. You got to dabble around a little bit. It seems like you guys are doing a great job of it. So keep up the great work. Thanks brother. We're going to keep dancing. And now your job is to come down and visit again, man. It's been too long. Been way too long. I'm going to take you up on that offer. We, we will hook you up. We'll hook you up till you can't get hooked up no more. You get I, strung lo- up. I love it. I absolutely love it. Thanks again, Michael. Appreciate the time. Thanks so much, Sebastian. Thank you. Until next time, friends. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Grit Daily Startup. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. This podcast is brought to you by GritDaily.com, the premier startup news hub. More information at GritDaily.com. Once again, I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk. Until next time, friends. Up to $26,000 per employee? They call it the 15-minute refund, but it's not a gimmick. It's for business owners who stuck it out during the pandemic. The Employee Retention Tax Credit, or ERTC. But time is running out to get started. Talk to the experts. JWC Advisors at iHeartTaxRefunds.com. Who are they? CPAs who will keep you on the right side of the IRS. So do it the right way. Go to iHeartTaxRefunds.com. That's iHeartTaxRefunds.com. Thank you.